Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Drifting Prime, and I am Gerald Hernandez. And on this week's episode, we have Nick Franco, who drives an E36 with a 1J in the Just Drift series over here in SoCal, um, who just received his license. I believe he took second place, which he tied for. And he talks about, you know, this was actually his first year in Pro-Am. He kind of gives his opinion on what you should do before you go into Pro-Am to be successful. And he gets into what he plans on doing for Pro-2, what he's going to go about it. Just a little backstory of him, how he got, you know, his drifting uh, history, so to speak. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you. For the people that don't know who you are, uh, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, what you do. Yeah. Uh, my name is Nick Franco. Um, my Instagram, if they don't know it, is SirNick71. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, doing pro-am drifting. Um, been drifting for probably five years, I would say. Um some like street stuff here and there before that but i'd say five years pretty much solid driving and then uh yeah just got my pro 2 license so moving on to that but um yeah that's about it nice and then uh was this from my understanding this was your first year in pro-am if i'm not mistaken yeah so um I've been drifting, going to Willow, uh, went to Grange a few times, stuff like that before doing Pro-Am, and I just pretty much tried to drive with anyone I could, because I've been watching Top Drift since I started drifting, like, me and my friends would go watch, and we're like, holy crap, dude, like, we want to be there one day, we want to be one of those drivers, and, you know, all that stuff, and we knew, like, if you win Top Drift, you get your Pro license, so I'd go watch, like, every year. And I started going to the track and doing some fun events. And um, I'd go watch Top Drift, and I'm like, I think I could win this. Like, if I have a good car, I think if I practice a little bit more and get my tandems down, because I'd watch competition, and I noticed that it all comes down to the chase run, really. I mean, most most of the guys out there can throw down a good qualifying run, but it comes to it comes down to the chase. So. I kind of went back and just started driving with everyone I could and getting the, the tandem practice. And then once I felt I was good enough and my car was competitive, like I did some changes to the car at the beginning of this year, I felt the car was competitive and can win. And then I went into Top Drift this year, um, did Pro-Am for the first time. So um, I didn't really want to do it until I felt like I could win and the car was ready. So it took me a few years to kind of get everything together but at the same time like i didn't really waste the money or time through the years you know i just went i just went all in for one year and um it worked out you know it worked out this year so i'm stoked yeah because uh you're this is for your first year in tandem and then for you to take second place that's kind of says a lot (laughs) yeah yeah i mean like um every event i would do i would never drive by myself so people um kind of ask me like for advice in competition or whatever and my first thing is practice tandem drive with whoever you can go do all the fun events yeah you're you're spending money on driving you're beating on your car you're probably going to crash a few times like it happens but 
the stuff you're learning and the experience, I mean, nothing can replace it. When it comes to competition and you're in the final battle or whatever, and you're or you're going up against someone really good and you know he's going to lay down a good uh, lead run, so your chase needs to be really good. Like, you're going to be comfortable and you're going to be confident because you had all that practice chasing people, you know. And um, I say drive with anyone. Don't drive with just your friends because you know how they drive. Drive with, like, other random people because they might make mistakes or they might drive a certain way or they might drive slow or whatever it is. You're going to learn how to adapt to every type of driving. And in competition, not everyone drives the same. Like, even if the guy lays down a good qualifying run, he might not drive the same as the other guy that lays down a good qualifying run. Like, they drive differently. So you need to learn how to adjust to that on the fly. And you have a spotter telling you, like, you know, watch out for this zone, watch out for that zone. He messes up here or there. But you still need to learn how to adjust to speeds and transition timing and all that stuff. So number one thing is practice tandem. And that's what I did throughout the years is I drove with everyone I could hop behind random people and just kind of learn how to adapt on the fly. So in competition, if someone makes a mistake or, you know, blows the clip or something like that, I know how to kind of react to it and move the car a certain way or keep the car sideways. So, that's like the number one thing. And um, I just took my time learning tandem and learning a chase and uh, went into competition like pretty confident in all my chase runs. And I think that's like, that's key is having that confidence. And um, that's what wins battles. I mean, even in the pros, you see it, you know, it comes down to the chase, really. All those guys can run a good, a good lead run, but it's up to the chase. So, um, I came into this season, my first year of Pro-Am, pretty confident in my driving because I just, I've been driving with all the guys for the few past few years. So I knew my car was ready. That was one thing. The car was ready. And then I knew I was ready. So I just, I wanted to do one good year in Pro-Am. I didn't want to go multiple years. Um, I just wanted to do it one year and be ready and then hopefully get my license. And then uh, that was my goal. I also had to go into it a little open-minded because it was my first year, so I had no experience. But, um, yeah, no, it, it went really good. I'm stoked. And then uh, being teamed up with uh, Micah really helped out. So it was a good season for us. Yeah, definitely, especially for uh, someone who's never done that, like at least not in competition. Um, would you say, like, the speeds are a little bit different, like learning how to go from just, like, the normal grassroots events to you know the prime stuff which is i i do the one at irwindale so it's a little bit faster i've only done one the first round at uh just drift so i know that one's not that's not necessarily slow but it's definitely way faster than being at grange or adams um would you say that the speed speed is a, a big factor or a little factor or not at all you don't even think about it um, I know Irwindale's pretty fast. I mean, I didn't get to do Drift League this year. I wanted to. Um, it just it wasn't in the budget. I, only, I had to pick pretty much one um, one series to run. I really wanted to run Irwindale, though, just because I've heard that the Big Bank is super fast, and I wanted to do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, like round one of Top Drift, that balcony, the speeds aren't really high. I mean, the fastest speed is the initiation. Um, 
it's just kind of technical. It's it's small, it's tight. Um, there's walls, you know, stuff like that. But the speed and level of pro-am driving um, is definitely higher. If you're not used to it or you don't drive with those guys or you haven't competed, going into pro-am um, and going into tandem, it'll be kind of like a kind of like a wake-up call like if if you never drove with those guys or with those types of cars like the cars are pretty high level cars i mean everyone's v8 or you know at least 400 horsepower so so i mean the speed is definitely higher than like say your your typical fun event you know or like little grassroots event um a different different level of driving for sure everyone's pushing really hard um and then like horse thief uh it's definitely a different type of driving in pro-am than it is like say your fun event that you go do with your buddies or whatever so um and then i know irwindale drift league has some really high speed stuff so that stuff i don't think anyone's really used to in southern california if you haven't driven irwindale you know those speeds because i mean like you said grange and adams i mean adams is like I mean, you're you're in second gear. I mean, you never go third. It's all second gear. And then Grange is the same thing. You initiate third, go to second, and the whole track's second gear. It's like your tandems can be door to door at Grange. It's not. I mean, it. I don't. It's not a difficult track, you know, to say to say. I mean, it's really small. It's really tight. It's easy to be on people's door. Um, so I mean, the higher speed stuff is definitely a lot different type of driving i drove streets at asb last year for the first time that's like top of third gear you know you get those 90 mile per hour entries and stuff on the front straight like throwing a car sideways at those speeds is a lot different than throwing a car sideways at grange you know so i definitely encourage people to get out there and drive bigger tracks and experience those speeds um i personally think it's more fun and then also you get the experience at those speeds, you know, I, drifting. So. I agree on it being more fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's way different. Um, yeah. I wasn't going to do, like, the rest of the rounds of the Drift League, and then there was kind of, like, some low car count. So I was like, all right, it, it's probably worth the money to do it because I'm going to get a lot more seat time than, you know, if it's, like, a full, um, if it's a full driver event of, like, 40 drivers. Yeah. So I felt more worthwhile, but yeah. I was glad I went because you know you don't get the same experience at a slower track. You just do not. I at least that's what I think. Um, some people might disagree with me, uh, but I don't believe you get the same experience. You don't get the same. It's not the same kind of seat time to be, you know, doing eighty miles an hour and then initiating on a big bank like that, as opposed to going to Grange or the you know the small the little small tracks we do have here that you know are open pretty much every weekend. Yeah, yeah, it, it's totally different. Um, yeah, it, the high speed stuff is a different, different type of driving. You gotta, you gotta. No one's gonna hop into that and be good at it right away. And that's why I really wanted to drive uh, Drift League, Irwindale, just to get those speeds. Because going into Pro Two, I mean, all the tracks are way bigger than what we're driving here in Southern California. So to get used to those speeds is really important and I wanted to drive it, but unfortunately, you know, I couldn't, but I'll get to Irwindale. I'll drive it, uh, sometime soon or something, but have you considered doing round four in like three weeks? 
Uh, honestly, I I haven't. Um, I kind of just got out of the competition zone and just started focusing on like doing some fun stuff and building the car. But just because I got the license and I needed to get ready, I need to get ready for Pro Two. But I mean, with the driver count is getting kind of low and drifting towards the end, you know, which I don't blame drivers. It's, it's so expensive to do each round, you know? So if you're not in the points or you're not going to get your license, it's hard to spend the money and keep going, you know? But with the low driver count, it would have been good to do the last round for sure. Yeah, it'd definitely be, be uh, beneficial for, I think, anybody going to Pro 2, especially. Um, maybe not so much, not to say... Micah, because he's already been there, but someone who hasn't experienced the high speed or the bank, because I think yeah. I think your first or second round is actually a bank, and then so is like St. Louis. Yeah, the first round's Florida, so you got that big bank. The first corner is a big bank, so um, that's way higher speed than anything we have. Or it's a, I think it's a little bit smaller than Irwindale. The bank is, but. Driving Irwindale, that big bank is that's super valuable to get to get time on that and to get used to that speed, you know, and being comfortable there. I mean, the whole thing is being comfortable at that speed. You know, once you're comfortable, then you drive better, you know. And I don't, I don't have that experience. I mean, Micah does, which is really good for him. You know, he's. I think he did drift league last year as well. Yeah, for sure. And then yeah, he has two years of experience on it. So, so to go into your car a little bit, um, what do you? What's your current chassis like? Um, if you want to go into your build a little bit, and then yeah, what are your so, plans for Pro Two? Uh, so the car, I got it, I think almost three years ago. It got. I started out as like, just a, pretty much a stance car. It was like complete opposite of what it is now. I got the car. Uh, just coilovers and um, wheels and stock engine. It had an M50 in it. So the stock engine that came in the car, the car was originally a 325 IS. And then, um, yeah, it was all stock and drove it. I put an SLR angle kit on it, drove it for a couple months, did a couple track days on it, the stock engine. Ended up blowing the stock engine up at Grange. Um, but uh, I already had the 1J non-VPTI sitting in the garage because that was like my that was my plan was to put that in the car so I was kind of freshening it up doing some gaskets and stuff so once the engine blew um I just took it home pulled the engine out and, and then uh put the 1J in sooner than I wanted to and just kind of been fixing stuff here and there throughout the years of drive you know driving it at the same time and fixing it things that break you know the cooling system needed to be better so I just been kind of upgrading stuff as I drive it, but um, yeah, the car now went full cage last year. Um, I put the cage in myself, and then uh, in the back, like suspension-wise, I mean BMWs are awesome. They're really simple. They don't take much. So it's the same SLR angle kit on the front that went, that I put on originally, and it has BC coilovers. And then the front, that's it, just angle kit. And then the rear has proper Fabworks camber arms. And then um, just solid uh, trailing arm bushings and the welded diff. And that's all I did in the rear. And I've been running it like that since I got the car. 
So, which if you talk to other BMW guys, that's not ideal to run stock bushings and everything like the subframe cracks, stuff like that. But I've gotten lucky and my car has been fine for the three years, but, um, I've been breaking axles lately. So I'm swapping to an M3 rear end right now before pro two. And then, uh, also the car has been running a ZF trans M3 trans for the whole time that it's been swapped and it's been fine, but going into pro two, I don't want to trust the ZF trans. And also you need to slam gears and really rely on the tranny going into gear when you need it to. So the plan is to go dog box, um, for, for, for pro two. Um, and then, uh, just keep the same one J have been running the same engine since I swapped it. I put two sixty four cams in it. Um, which is like a stage two cam for the one J's and then, uh, went single turbo 62, 62 turbo. It's on 15 pounds. And I just kept the stock ECU stock injectors. It's a really like really mellow budget setup, you know? And I just, I like to show people the setup because the car is competitive and pro-am stuff. Clearly. And it's, de it's definitely enough for grassroots stuff. Like you could go rip, you know, with anyone at any of the tracks locally and have fun. Yeah, but you and kept, like, just, a simple setup, and you didn't, like, go too crazy with it, and you still won your license. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't need to be a full-blown, you know, like, Pro 2 car. I mean, as long as you have all the safety stuff done, the power, the drivetrain, suspension, like, you don't need to overthink it. You don't need to change every single bushing in the car and all that, like, just get the car driving the way you like it, get it set up right, get your alignments, you know, stuff right, and just drive the car hard, you know. If you, you can drive the car hard with 400 horsepower and beat 600 horsepower cars, you know. And, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of what I kept, and that's what I like to show people is is the grassroots and pro-am stuff I it's kind of changing because people are kind of horsepower chasing, I think now and drifting. Um, like I have people message me on Instagram and they're like, Oh, I'm building this car, you know, like I'm shooting for 600 horsepower or whatever. And it's like, you don't need you that. Know, it's like, yeah, it's like, well, what's your drifting experience? And they're like, Oh, I'm just getting into it. And it's like, and you want 600 horsepower. Like that's, that's, that's a handful. That's, that's a, a big extreme. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you don't need it, you know? And I just, I want to show people like, you can do it with 350, 400 horsepower, and it's a stock ECU, no tune, like, and it's reliable. It's not like it's not, it's not like a ticking time bomb. It's not gonna blow up. The car is, runs awesome, you know. So, really simple like budget setup, and um, it just runs great and plenty of power, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's more of a reliable setup as opposed to like a high power setup because those guys yeah. are always breaking shit. Yeah. Yeah, more power with more power than you start breaking drivetrain stuff or whatever, you know. And it's on pump gas. Go to the pump, get ninety one. You know, there's no race gas. It's just really easy setup and it's reliable. So, um, yeah, the car's been great the past few years, but unfortunately, Pro Two is a whole nother level. You know, I mean, you got guys like Adam LZ with nine hundred horsepower Pro One cars, so. You got to keep up with that stuff. Um, but I'm still not going to go too crazy. Like, people are asking me how much power I'm going to make. Am I going to ditch the 1J? Like, I'm not 
I'm not ditching my current setup. I'm going to use like the current setup, just change the trans. And I'm just going to make, I want to make around 600 horsepower. And I think in that chassis with how much grip the car has, like mechanical grip, I think with 600 horsepower or so, I think I'll be okay. Um, I think I, I think I can keep up with those guys, but I mean, we'll see, but that's just, if I had another year, if I took a year off to build the car, sure, I could probably get 800 horsepower or whatever. But I mean, honestly, I'd rather be out there driving and getting seat time and, and getting my, you know, showing my face and formula drift um, and spending a little less money. Yeah. Know? And then so, again, you don't need the 800 horsepower, you know. Yeah. Adam yeah. LZ may have 900 horsepower, but he, you know, he hasn't I, done. I drive 900 horsepower. Yeah, he hasn't done as yeah. well as you think he would because of his horsepower. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think you need the eight, 900 that people are chasing for, you know? And it's just, all it's doing is raising that horsepower bar, like, more and more every year in Formula Drift. And it's like, that's all it's doing, you know? It's like, we don't need 1,100 horsepower and everything. It's just, it's insane, dude. But, you know. Unfortunately, I mean that's what the people want, though. You know, the people watching drifting, they want they want to hear a thousand horsepower. They want the smoke and the tire speed and all that stuff. But you gotta yeah, just you just they, gotta go with it. You gotta play the game. That's because they're not paying for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're not paying for it either. So, and uh, just talking a little bit about um, the tires you were on this year, because I I believe you're on Accelera, correct? Yeah, 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 we ran Accelera um, all year. Actually, I ran them towards the end of the year last year as well. Um, but I was running 17s last year. I, I bumped up to 18s, and then we ran a 265-30-18 uh, in top drift. And uh, I got a lot of questions about them because they're kind of fairly new company, like to the, you know, sporty type of tire or like, you know, in the motorsports. Like they haven't really been in motorsports. So people were asking me if they were good or not. And honestly, I honestly love them. And I've had uh, friends that have ran them in the front, like on, on their front tires, and they love them. Super, super sticky. Um, they've been great in the rear, like perfect wear. We definitely had enough grip. Uh, I mean, it show, it's, it's shown in top drift that we had enough grip, you know, the two cars, me and Micah. So the tires are awesome. We love them. Um, kind of kind of sucks we have to i mean you only have nexon and achilles and pro 2 so we have to go with one of those companies but we're talking to accelerate right now because we want to stay with them and see if we can work something out for pro 2 but uh yeah no they're an awesome company really really good tire everyone that tries them loves them you know i'm gonna so, have to try them because i actually need front tires right now for um for round four coming up i don't my car doesn't allow me to run a whole lot of camber in the front, so my whole outside of my tire is gone. Oh, yeah. At yeah. angle, it's scrubbing. Yeah, like real bad. Yeah. So, something I'm going to have to look into. I might order those because they're uh, affordable and not super expensive. Yeah, they're affordable art compound. And uh, in the front, we ran the same two tires in the front all a year so far. I'm just now switching them. And they still had grip. Like once you get them a little warm, to scrub them a little bit um, in a warm up, and then they're super sticky. So, yeah. hey, can you yeah. hang on one second, man? Yeah. Sorry about that, man. 
my dog keeps barking because I have her outside, and you know, she yeah, the wind blows. The stuff. wind blows, yeah. and she's <laughs> tripping. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I wasn't sure if you can hear her, but I've heard her throughout like for the past twenty five minutes. We've been talking. Yeah, I heard her a little bit. Yeah, so uh, I love I love dogs. Though I don't want to say anything. I love dogs. So do I. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, girlfriend's fault. Didn't really care for dogs. Uh. And then I met this dog, and I was like, okay. Yeah. Now I now we have four dogs. Oh man, four of them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if I love them that much. Now I can do one. Two huskies, a German <laughs> Shepherd, and a little Chihuahua that's oh, old. The Chihuahua's not that much work. They're small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So, what do you, what are your uh, goals and plans for next year? Like, do you are you going? Because I I saw that you posted that you had a, another vehicle that you were planning on building. And then I saw in your story that you're like, I'm torn. Should I just like update my current chassis? Um, which you, you put this idea in my head after I watched that story. Cause I actually have, um, <laughs> I have three different chassis. Like ex- I have two extra ones cause I wrecked uh, my E46 last year. Um, uh, now I'm just like, damn, should I just take those parts and kind of like focus on this one car I have? Or should I just build the other one that I want to just in case I do get my license? Or do I just kind of prep this one? Um, but now I'm leaning towards just getting this one ready and as, as, uh, as battle ready as I can. And then learning how to drive this car and not trying to learn how to drive a new car again. What are your plans? Yeah, It's, it's a tough, it's a tough decision. Um, just because it's kind of an investment. And I mean, when you build another chassis, it's an investment time and money. Correct. And, uh, not free. It's, yeah, and it's like, is it really worth it if you already have a car that's working? And that was my, that was my thing. So, my plan was to get a new chassis at the beginning of this year. Like I was supposed to already be building another chassis, and then when me and Micah teamed up, uh, a lot of work went into my car to get it to where it is now, and I used that money that I was supposed to buy and build another car with to my car. So. I'm a little late in the game to be building another chassis, but um, I, st- I stuck with my, my plan and I went and got another chassis this past weekend. And I brought it home and I started like working on it, started stripping it down a little bit. And I'm look I'm like looking at stuff and I'm like, man, I like you don't realize how much work you did to just a body of a car until you see one that's like untouched. And it's like there is so many brackets and stuff I have to remove and shave and grind off. Yeah. Just like, taking that shit off and removing interior is yeah. a pain in the ass. Yeah, realistically. Like I got I to strip all the wires out of this car. Like my car, it's stripped all the wires out of all the little brackets and like stuff that things bolt to got cut off and, you know, grinded off. So it's just hours of just pretty much, not getting anywhere just labor of cutting and grinding that i need to do just to get the chassis ready for like fabrication and then i can start fabrication and then you got to build a whole new cage all that stuff so anyways it got me thinking and i was sitting there looking at my current car and i'm like is it really that bad that i can't use that chassis you know like i can fix some of the bent stuff you know and and run it so that just got me thinking and um I think I might just run my current chassis for next year. So my plan is to um, drive my car right now, 
do some upgrades while I'm driving it. You know, I still want to get seat time because that's the most valuable thing. You need seat time. And I want to drive the car still, so I'll do some upgrades here and there. I'll get the dog box trans. I'll start, I'll do the bell housing. I'll get it all ready to go in. And then uh, I'll probably just buy um, like just a missile car to practice in and get seat time in um, and just kind of dig into my chassis a little bit more and just the front frame rails are bent. Um, the door smashed and just fix that stuff, you know, clean it up and it should be fine. I mean, that's, that's all that's really wrong with the chassis is just some, some bent stuff here and there. So it, it can all be cut out and fixed and fabricated. And then, um, the chassis will be ready. You know, it's, it's proven like I've been driving it for years. I mean, I guess there's no, there's no real reason to ditch it, you know, and build something completely fresh. Yeah. So, and, and there's nothing to deem that chassis, um, unsafe for competition as far as yeah. like being it completely, totally wrecked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I think it's smarter just to use my time and money into that chassis because I'm already like, you know, 80% there ready for pro two with that car. So You're I invested. Take, it, take it all yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah. So my plan is I'm going to try to have the car ready before round one. Um, round one, I think, is in Florida. So a pretty big trip out there to do round one. So um, I'll have to talk to Micah and we'll see if we can get a two-car trailer or something and get both cars out there. But uh, round one is still kind of up in the air. I definitely want to make one or two of the rounds next year. I don't know if I'll do the whole the whole Pro 2 series, but um, I'm definitely going to get out there and get some points on the board and show my face and uh, just kind of see if the car is good enough. And then um, the following year, if everything goes good or I do good at those rounds and the car just needs a few things here and there, the following year I'll go all in and then I'll do the whole series. Um but yeah, honestly, it's a little up in the air just to see if we can make the whole series next year, just because cost and travel and getting the car ready and stuff like that. But my plan is to definitely use my license. You know, I want to use it for sure. So. Oh, definitely. Uh, I'd be like eager as hell if I got it too. Like I'll yeah, show up in a fucking bucket as long as it passes tech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, just. Yeah, passing tech is is my biggest thing. You know, I got to make some changes to my cage um, and then uh, just tidy some stuff up, just make the car. I, I read through the real, the rule book like multiple times for Formula Drift just to make sure like everything is on point. And then I also have to get the car weighed. I guess yeah, I guess there's a 3,000 pound um, limit for Pro 2. I think it's 2,900. Oh, is it 2,900? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's 2,900 with you in the car. So the car doesn't have to weigh 2,900 pounds. So if you weigh like 150 pounds, you can get your car to 2,750. But just be mindful that it has to be like empty on gas. That's crossing the finish line. So like empty on gas and no more tire left in the rear tires. So all that weight counts. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't even know what the weight of the car is at. So I need to get the car weighed and then go from there you know and see if i need to add weight to it but um yeah tech is tech is a big thing in, in formula if they're pretty strict so i need to get the car ready for that and uh just a little bit more power and a dog box 
and I'm just going to go for it. Honestly, I'm just going to drive as hard as I can and see what happens. On the E36 rear end, or are you going to run something else? Yeah, so I'm going to do the dog box and everything uh, here pretty soon. I'm putting the M3 rear end in it right now and reinforcing everything, so it's going to have the big axles, and it's going to have the stock diff, um, which is the... I think is going to be the weakest point after I go dog box is just slamming gears with that diff. Um, I don't know if the ring and pinion are going to hold up to it. So that's kind of something I'm going to have to test before next year, just kind of go out and drive it and just kind of thrash on the car a little bit, see if it breaks a diff. If it holds up for the rest of the year with the dog box and the stock diff, I'll probably just buy a couple diffs and have different gearing. I could get three different types of gearing and then um, I'll just go and do pro two on the stock stock diff all welded and everything. And then see how it goes. I mean, it just quick change is so expensive and then I have to get the subframe modified and all that stuff. So I don't you, know if that's in the budget right yeah, now. Yeah, that's, it's super expensive. Like I was even looking into it like for my car, but they make like a Ford 8.8 kit. Granted, that thing doesn't just drop out, you know, in a matter of five minutes, you know, to change gears if need be. Um, but it's it's a durable rear end for like the Ford 8.8 stuff. So there's no point. Like I'm not. I'm probably gonna break something else before I break the rear end. I'll probably break a you know an axle or something. Yeah. But it's cheaper was, than me. My, yeah. yeah. What were we that was uh that was my big thing right now was axles and that was something that that's kind of my fault it took me forever to go m3 rear end which is something i should have done a long time ago so now that i'm fixing that weak point and i'm changing all the bushings and reinforcing the chassis in the rear end and everything just getting ready for the power i think the next weakest thing will be the diff once i go dog box so the trans isn't going to blow up with a dog box the axles aren't going to break the m3 axles will hold up everything's going to hold up so i think the diff is going to be the weakest point so that's going to have that's going to be something i'm going to have to test um the quick change is nice for pro 2 because you make gearing changes on the fly um so that's really nice because the tracks are a lot faster and you're probably gonna have to make gearing changes but if it's not in the budget then i can't do it but i'm still gonna compete you know i'll still do i'll still do what i can and i can swap a diff in my car in probably 20 minutes yeah so, so you're saving 15 minutes granite which might save get you like a lap or two um in oh. extra but you're only allowed allotted 12 anyways so i mean swapping the diff to me isn't that big of a deal to change gears you know i could run i could run a couple practice laps and notice that my gearing's off and know which diff to throw in and then that'll be my best bet so that's the way I look at it. So I'm using the money in other places that the car needs before I do quick change. But if I have to, I'll do Pro 2 on the stock dip and see how it goes. So. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you. I know some other guys that are still doing it on a stock diff, and they're they're not, like, exploding a diff every five minutes. I think um, Jeff Jones for a while was on a stock diff in his uh, S14. I know he blew a few of them, but he wasn't blowing them every weekend. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was running stock diff. Um, and it honestly it comes down to how you drive also, you know? I mean, that people don't realize that that changes 
your wear and tear on the drivetrain. I mean, some people break certain things that other people don't. You know, it depends on how you drive. You watch someone drift, and they might be, like, clutch kicking every two seconds. And, yeah, that's going to break drive shafts and axles and diffs and all that stuff if you're clutch kicking, loading the drivetrain like that. And then you can watch other people drive, like, say, for a good example is James Dean. Like, he doesn't kick the clutch all the time. Like, he's really smooth with, like, with this throttle, and he keeps momentum in the car. So, like, the drive, it's really easy on the drivetrain because you're just, you're kind of floating, you know? And then when you when you do need power, you're carrying momentum, and then you don't need to clutch kick three times to get going again. So, it's also about how you drive. So, if you kind of drive easy on the car and just kind of figure that out, you you won't break as many things. So, yeah. How, how, would, you, uh, how would you describe your driving style? I mean, people tell me I'm really, like, fast and smooth uh i try to i try to make it as smooth as possible so when i started when i started drifting at the track um i started in a corolla an a86 and it had a 4ag uh, tony valve in it so it was probably around what like 130 horsepower maybe so it was a lot of work a lot of clutch kicking um their short wheelbase is pretty twitchy so a lot of like steering corrections and I started out driving that. So I got used to a Corolla and then I got rid of the Corolla and I started looking at cars that are good for drifting kind of in stock form. So I got a 350Z bone stock. So I put some coilovers on it and I held out on the angle kit. I didn't do the angle kit and I took it to the track and it had good power to where you can throw it in second and, you know, not have to work it too much. It has torque at, down low. So it was a lot easier to drive and I wasn't used to it. And I put a GoPro inside my car and like, you can watch my, my steering corrections were like constant. And if you're doing that, it doesn't look good. And the car doesn't look good on the outside. So like put a GoPro inside your car, like for anyone listening to this that wants to like practice or get better, like put a GoPro inside your car and watch yourself drive. You should be, you should look relaxed calm and as little steering corrections as possible and from the outside the car will look like completely settled really smooth and it's gonna look way better you know so um i started working on that and i started working on my steering corrections also taka taka saw me drive one day and was like your hands are just all over the place so it kind of stuck in my head so I started, I started working on that and then, um, yeah, I just, I kind of stuck to me. Like when I saw that, it just kind of stuck to me that I need to be smoother. So I worked on it and I think now it just kind of became second nature to not jerk the steering wheel or make as small, like minimal steering corrections as possible. And if you watch all the top drivers, watch the guys in FD, watch the in-car, they initiate set angle and keep the steering wheel there like they don't make huge steering corrections and i hate to bring him up again but james dean if you watch his in car yeah he does that every single time butter butter smooth dude and like if you watch the out outside view of his car it just big angle aggressive on throttle smooth and that's what it like everything you do on the inside transfers to the outside it's crazy like you're sitting in a seat with a steering wheel in your hands but you're affecting the the car so much and people don't realize it. they're just like 
jerking the steering wheel just to keep the car sideways. It's like everyone can see that, you know, like every little movement you make of the steering wheel, like people can see that in the car. It transfers throughout the car. So I try to be as smooth as possible and also fast, aggressive. So drive aggressive, be on throttle, big angle. People say I throw like really big angle, um, which is something I think is part of drifting is style. And I hate to see style kind of fade out of drifting. And with FD, I think it kind of is. Style's going away. It's all about speed, power, grip, you know, all that stuff. But I like to see people have style. Like when I go watch people drive and they drive really aggressive and they throw the car or they're like on the edge of the track or whatever, that just makes it exciting, you know? It makes That's what makes drifting exciting. So I try to keep that in my driving style i try to stay aggressive but yeah and you know what uh I'm, what you, with what you just said is actually a nice segue into one of uh the instagram questions i got and by the way nine times out of ten i forget about these every single time <laughs> so this is like the first time i was like i got like a lot of or a good amount i feel to ask all of them um so Jojo UZX73 asks, uh, do you ever think at times that drifting professionally takes the fun out of drifting? Yes, I think it does. Um, this year alone, just doing pro-am um, is a totally di- different like outlook on drifting. Um, it makes it serious when you get home from a round, like you have to think about the next round immediately uh get the car ready replace stuff on the car that you probably normally wouldn't replace just to make sure it's 110 percent and when you're there at the track it's a totally different vibe at the track everyone's serious everyone's there to win people want their license so it kind of takes the fun out of it you know um i still have a blast when i am driving you know it's still fun to me or i wouldn't be doing it but it's it, it changes drifting for sure. I miss doing the fun events and all that. And that's kind of my, that's kind of my goal for the rest of the year is to get out there and just have some fun tandem with people, you know, and just go hang out. So, um, cause the whole, the whole year so far has just been serious and that's what competition does to drifting is it, it kind of creates a, a serious side of it. So, that you normally wouldn't see when you go do grassroots or fun stuff. You know, you don't see that serious side. So, yeah, it's more of like yeah. a, a more lax feeling and stuff like that. Definitely agree with that. Yeah, it, yeah, uh, you're out there hanging out with your friends. Doing yeah, tandems, whatever. So, and it's like if, well, depending on your friend, if you hit your friend, it's not like, uh, <laughs> it's not like you're a fucking yeah. piece of shit. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but so uh, I got wisdom media asking, uh, do you have media for FD and nope, just oh. an emoji. No, no media yet. So wisdom, I know you guys are good. I've seen your work. So yeah, I need some media. So I'll have to work with them for sure. They do, they do good, good stuff. So yeah, definitely. Their videos have changed. Like it changed so much in the past, oh. what, two years yeah. that they've been in it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know about this page. This next one, it's called VCR mode. Uh, this guy goes to Sonoma Drift, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what he's local to. Uh, at least he went to um, Winter Jam last year, and he recorded everything like on a VCR recorder, like a video recorder. 
like the old school ones and the videos are so yeah. dope like it just kind of gives you like that super like 90s feel like you're watching yeah. you're sitting on the couch with your family and watching like old christmas videos or something <laughs> dude it's dope and i was like that's sick yeah i was like dude uh he that'd asked the question be. that you already addressed um which was did you ever run the 24 valve motor um like the m50 or anything like that but which you said you had oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah i had the I had the stock engine in it and then uh it just it was it was stock just straight pipe and then a chip in it and i drove it like that do the chips really fine. do anything for these cars or no no uh, not really i didn't see anything it just raised the red line which honestly that's what blew the engine up so don't chip your m50 or m52 and then was it like it the, the ebay chip <laughs> yeah it was like 80 dollars or something sick so. i remember when i had an e30 before and i was like i was like broke as shit at the time and i couldn't even afford that thing you know it's like but i want one i'll go faster yeah it's, it says like guaranteed like 20 horsepower 30 horsepower something crazy in like 10 like, more miles to the gallon <laughs> yeah <laughs> all it's doing is like maxing out your injectors and raising your red line but yeah, yeah right. no, I ran ran the stock engine. It blew up after a few track days, but it was fun while it lasted. You really had to work for it with a with a stock engine. So, yeah, I've never driven like a lowered horsepower car, um, so I've never had that experience. Like, I think the first time I ever drifted wasn't uh, it was in another Cadillac, but it was still like uh-huh. a four hundred horsepower from factory Cadillac. So even though it was a boat, but I've always known what like what it's like to drive with like. Um, moderate to large power yeah oh it's it's totally totally different and i always tell people that want to start drifting or they come to me at the track and they're like hey what do i need to do to get into it i just like like, go get some i think one of the questions that i got on my instagram from uh beam team brian was um you uh which one's better e36 or 350z and these those are the two cars i always recommend to people getting into drifting is either e36 or 350z at 350z you're gonna have better power stock you know the vq has plenty of power to drift pretty much any track in socal um so you don't have to touch the engine you just do suspension and angle kit and the thing rips like i had a blast in my z um the e36 if you get an m3 you'll have the power but if you get a 325 or something like that, it's going to be a little low on power. But either chassis doesn't give you a ton of power out of the box. So it's good to learn something with a little bit lower horsepower. I think everyone should start with low horsepower. Like, everyone, don't jump to power because you're going to learn stuff with low horsepower that you'll never learn if you have power in an angle kit. You'll never learn those techniques. You'll never learn how to carry momentum and keep engine speed up. You'll never learn all that stuff, you know? So um, definitely advise people to start with low horsepower and getting into drifting. It's going to help you in the long run. When you do get power, you're going to drive the car to its full potential, even with high horsepower, because you're going to know how to drive it aggressive, you know? So, um, yeah. Good to know. And then, so I have another one. It's, uh, I don't know how to, how to say this. I'm going to say DA9 Dave. Um, what are your plans for the Pro 2 car? How can you, and how can one help be a part of the team? Oh, um, 
so next year I plan to run with Micah, and then I also have a few guys that help me out at the track. Um, so we've got a pretty we got a pretty healthy team right now of guys that we'll be traveling together with. So honestly, for everyone out there that wants to be a part of it and help is honestly just the support you know i mean that's that goes a long ways and even the support on instagram whatever it is you know like i'm coming out with more merchandise for myself and just i got stickers right now making shirts and all that stuff so just the support of buying the merch and just having my back and um I mean, that's just being part of the team right there, you know, just having, just having that fan base is awesome. You know, it just keeps, keeps me going. Um, those times that you're just kind of over it and you don't want to put the work in and, and just people, people that have your back and, um, that are supporting you just keep you going. So, um, I have a lot of, I'm really lucky to have a lot of people that, that, uh, support me and just always, you know, message me on Instagram and just, say they they love my content and love watching me drive and that goes a long way right there you know that that does a lot so yeah it, it's it means a lot it's you know it's kind of like acknowledgement yeah. um last question i i know you, you posted i don't know if you got any questions um micah diaz micah diaz asked you uh why do you team up with micah in third person he <laughs> asked that question i want you to know that <laughs> um yeah, actually, no, that's a good question because people listening might not know why because it was kind of out of nowhere, honestly. I mean, me and Micah have known each other for a bit, but we never really drove together. Um, we drove together at Andy's Sleigh Day uh, last year um, or the beginning of the year. It was on, it was on New Year's. And uh, we, tan- we did some tandems and we drove together and it was like, it went great. Like we drove together really well and um we kind of pushed each other and we trusted each other on the track so we call i think he called me on the way home i think it was the same day like i just pulled up to my house and we were still on the phone and he's like what do you think about like teaming up this year for all the program stuff and at first i was like that sounds expensive because we need to get the cars looking the same he was already on like three-piece wheels you know street fighter livery all that stuff so I had to do all that stuff to my car and I was like kind of unsure about it, but, um, he helped me out a lot working with some companies and getting people on board. And, uh, we got, we got a lot of companies to help us out this year, which was awesome to get the cars ready. And after all that kind of went through and those companies hopped on board, I was like, all right, let's do it. You know? So I, I teamed up with him to drive with him and to have someone like that push me and, for the practice, you know, and also he's an awesome guy. His team's really good. Um, they've been doing program for a few years now, so they have the experience that I don't have. And that was valuable. You know, experience is really valuable. So, um, yeah, we had, we had a bunch of, bunch of reasons to team up. It just seemed perfect. And, uh, we, we just helped each other all year and every practice session we had, we drive together and push each other. And that definitely upped, upped our uh our tandem our tandem game a lot you know so it just it seemed it seemed like right timing and it seemed perfect to team up so it worked out really well this year and we want to carry it into pro too like we don't want to stop here you know at pro-am like 
our goal was to come into Pro-Am and win, get a championship. Either one of us, me or him, get a championship, get our license, and take it on to Pro 2, you know? so. Yeah, and you guys took first and second, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, first and second. And then you so, uh, tied for second, right? Yeah, I tied with Jason Jason Kim, which is kind of odd. I mean, that doesn't really happen in drifting. Um, so it was kind of kind of weird to tie, but he drove super good. It was it was me, Micah, and Jason on the podium all year. So between the three of us, we knew it was one. It was going to be one of us for the championship. So um, it was really good driving from from all those dudes. So it was a close one for sure. And uh, so a couple questions I like to ask always is like, uh, what do you, what do you recommend for anybody who's going to get, which you, you kind of covered, um, maybe go in a little bit more detail. What do you recommend for anybody who wants to get into Pro-Am? Like what, what is your best piece, single, best single piece of advice you can offer that you think is the most important? Uh, that's a good question. I got a lot of people that ask me that question, like how to get into competition. Um, single piece of advice. Um, I make it specific, so it's because everyone's answer is going to be different. I I would say get your tandem, get comfortable in tandem before competition. Like, that is the number one thing I have to say to people is practice tandem before competition. Because you'll go into competition ready, you'll be comfortable, you'll be running doors with people and not breaking a sweat. You'll be comfortable being inches away from another car. Just practice that before going into competition. So don't overthink the car. I'm, I'm not going to give advice on cars or, you know, get this much horsepower or whatever. The most valuable thing to me is the tandem driving. So just get your, get your tandem driving on point before you go into competition and you should be good. I think, I think anyone that does that is going to do really well. Um, because I mean, honestly, if you're going into pro-am and, or you're, you're even thinking about doing pro-am, um, you're pretty confident that you're good enough to lay down a good qualifying run or that you can do the track. Like, I mean, most people out there can do it. So um, no one needs advice on that. Everyone can can qualify or should be able to qualify. Um, it's the tandem that matters. That's what's gonna that's what's gonna win. And when you go to do a pro am, I think everyone's goal should be on the po- to be on the podium or to win you know it takes a lot of sacrifice and money and time as you know as well to get there and to do this and pretty much with no return like we're not making we're not making money off this or anything like that so to me don't go there unless you're aiming for the top you know everyone's putting in work everyone's putting in money and sacrifice so um just drive, get seat time, drive as much as you can with whoever you can, practice, 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 tandem all the time before you go into competition. And when you go into competition, you'll be good to go. So that's my number one piece of advice to anyone looking to go do Pro-Am. So. Awesome, man. And uh, thank you yeah. for that. Um, I think with that, I usually end it at about an hour. We're about there. 
Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't yet? Um, no, I mean, I think we, I think we talked about a lot. Uh, I thought good. so as well, but uh, yeah. sometimes. All right. Uh, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, the best of luck to you next year, man. And uh, thank you, thank you. I I know this stuff's not this stuff isn't cheap. It's not free for sure. You know. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully you could get a sponsor to on board to help you out financially. Yeah, I yeah. I'll, I'll talk to a few companies and uh, see what kind of help I can get for next year. But yeah, either definitely. way, I'm gonna gonna use my license, so I'll be out there. So, um, yeah, definitely gonna do it next year. So thank you um, for uh, the support and getting me on the show. And um, yeah, hopefully we get to drive together sometime soon. That'd be cool. All right, man. Uh, sounds good. I, yeah. You should probably look into my driving first before you say things like that. I drive like shit. <laughs> um, no, that would be good. That'd all right, man. Good. You have a good all night, right. brother. Thank you. All right. You too. Bye-bye.